I trust you are well. I trust you on the spirit. Let's remain in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Remain passionate. Remain focused. Amen. Some people, when they sit down to listen to the word, their spirit shuts off or their brain shuts down because they've had exciting worship time. But the, you are in the spirit. Amen. Amen. We live in the spirit. This, let us therefore walk in the spirit. You are, first of all, spirit. Amen. And the Son of God, the image of the Son of God has been formed in you. We are being conformed into the image of Christ. That is in our spirits. Hallelujah. Let me not get ahead of myself. I just want to say, Pastor Nifa, I can also sing. But only in the shower and when the music is very loud. <laughs> Hallelujah. We praise people for their different gifts. Amen. Amen. So we, we talked last week about walking and functioning in the Spirit. Um, I'm trying to build on the different messages that I've preached, even though they, are, they may be quite far apart. Um, I believe it is important. These things are important to establish. And um, I believe it is vital for the church to go to the next level. Amen. I hope you are wanting to go to the next level, and the next level, and the next level, from glory to glory. Come on, guys, stay with me. The, this is not a conservative church. This is an African church. This is a global church. Amen, amen. Just because I'm speaking doesn't mean you don't have to agree. In South Africa, our conservative churches have a sign outside this church that says, Stilte Kerk, means silence, church is busy. Uh, I don't want silence. If you're excited about the word, say amen. Say hallelujah. Not just now, but while I'm preaching. If you agree, say yes and amen when you agree to the word. Remember what I said. We need to activate the word within us. I'm not intimidated by your excitement. Are you with me? Okay. And I'm not remember, I'm not talking about emotional working up. I'm talking about true excitement in the spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, so we talked, to, ooh, we talked about all these papers and things. We talked about our life in the spirit, walking, functioning in the spirit. And I said, God willing, we will try to get into the church, what the church looks like. And I touched on it last week. And we said that the church is not like a primary school or a preschool or a hospital or a social club. Now, please, I am speaking to hopefully some people who have some understanding of Christian basic foundations. Yes, fellowship, true fellowship, proper fellowship in the church is important. It is vital for the body to come together and to fellowship with one another. Are you with me? We are, we, we are meant to worship the Lord and we find our worship through song most of the time. It is important. Are you with me? It is important to heal the sick. It is important to deal with immature Christians and to let them grow. But we need to mature to a place past this. Because this is not the purpose and mandate of the church. This is preparation for the mandate. You train someone for what? For a purpose, for a mandate, for a mission. Are you with me? It cannot be just training, training, training. For what? Healing, 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 and the person never gets healed. Once he is healed, then what? I'm saying we've got to move beyond these basic principles and understand what the purpose and the mandate of the church is. Hallelujah. So we said that, and we, we, we began to touch on it, and we said that we are seated in heavenly places. And we talked about Psalm 110, we're going to go back there, where the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. And I said that we are in a war. A war that we don't have to fight. <laughs> the greatest form of spiritual warfare is the high praises of God in our mouths. I'm not saying we mustn't address demons and demonic principalities and go, go at it like that, but that is not spiritual warfare. That is a small, small part of it. 
We're going to talk about that with the keys of the kingdom, God willing. But turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start there. I think let's start there. That's a good start. Ephesians chapter 2. It's vital to understand our place in the Spirit, our purpose in the Spirit, and that we must be found in the Spirit. Because, look, irrespective of your eschatological views, meaning your views on the end times, because some people say, ah, oh, but you are dominion theology. No, I'm not dominionist. I'm not going to tell you what my eschatological views are. It's not important right now. But whatever your views of the end times are, we are supposed to demonstrate the kingdom. We are supposed to demonstrate the king in accuracy, in his full glory, his full power. Ephesians 4 says, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, they are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry until what? Speaking the truth in love until what? We come into the full stature and the perfect Man, Jesus Christ. We said, we, we, we touched on it, and my brother spoke about it now with uh, Hebrews 12. You have not come to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion. We're going to get there too. But a place where the spirits of men are made perfect. Your spirit is perfect, but is not necessarily mature. Because you are being conformed into the image of Christ. Your spirit is growing. Your spirit is being strengthened. Until it, it reaches the full stature of Christ in you. Until it's fully and truthfully no longer you that lives. But Christ that lives in you. That is the state of the mature church. Then there's no place for opinions, there's no place for backstabbing or gossip or immaturity or sin or whatever. Sin will become powerless in your life. It will have no root, no hold. Alright? So Ephesians, that was Ephesians 2 verse 9. We are seated in heavenly places, alright? But I want to touch on Ephesians 2 verse 22. Okay, let's start in verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows. Everyone says grows. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You are being built into a dwelling place, a house, a temple, a building, a dwelling place of God. Where? In the Spirit, not in the natural, not in the flesh, and definitely not in the flesh. If you want God to inhabit us, if you want to be a ch the church, it needs to be in the Spirit. Because that, that is where God is found, is in the Spirit. Because God is Spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. It's easy to have wonderful songs and sing wonderful things. But we need to learn to worship in the Spirit. Spirit and in the truth. I will sing with my understanding and I will sing with my spirit. So I need to understand that the church of the end times is found in the spirit. What, regardless of your end time views, you are in the end times. Whether it's beginning, middle, end, I don't care. I, I'm not a person who sits and debates that type of thing. My question is, what are you doing however Jesus comes back, whenever Jesus comes back, whatever he's going to do, are you ready for whatever happens? You need to be positioned accurately. And that positioning is in the Spirit. 
ready and waiting for the master to say whatever, whenever, however. And then you'll start to see men and women of the Spirit are not limited by the natural things. Healing is not a natural law. That's why the, the, the secular world, the natural world, they use medicine. They don't believe in laying on of hands or the power of God. It's against the laws of nature. Raising the dead is definitely against the laws of nature. <laughs> we are not governed by those natural laws if we walk in the Spirit. I haven't got time to get into all those men and women who stopped the sun. I think my very first sermon here, I talked about spiritual stature. Joshua speaking to the sun and it's standing still. Elijah speaking to the heavens and the, and the, 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 the heavens closed up for three years. These men carried spiritual stature. They dictated the natural circumstances. But you are being built together as a place of God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So let's just talk about the church a little bit. And the first time we find church is Matthew 16. Let's go there. This is the first time that the word church, ecclesia, is mentioned. Where Jesus first talks about the church. Or his church, shall I say. And we're going to talk a little bit, of, a few principles about the church. And God willing, we will get further. <clears throat> Matthew 16. Jesus is walking with his disciples. In Caesarea Philippi, verse 13. And he asks his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to you, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this is the first time we see Jesus mentioning the word his church, Ecclesia. So let's start. He, look, he looks at his disciples and says, Who do the men say that who do people say that I am? And you'll see they all had differing opinions. They all saw the same man, but they had different opinions. The first thing I want to say, the church is not established on the opinions of man. There will always be different opinions of how church should be built, what church looks like, what must happen in church. It's not built upon the opinions of man. We do not have a healing church or a deliverance church or an evangelism church or this church, this church. We have churches that do evangelism, deliverance, everything. We must be very careful. Yes, certain churches have different strengths. There will be a church that has a strong drive for evangelism. That is the same in the body. In this body here, we have different gifts, different strengths. But we all function together for one purpose. And just because I'm a singer does not mean I cannot prophesy. Just because I prophesy does not mean I cannot serve. Like I said, I can sing. <laughs> the question is to what measure that gift operates in my life. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I do sing, the devils start screaming and they leave. Not just the congregation members. <laughs> but the church is not built upon the opinions of man. Because they will always have different opinions. So then Jesus says, but then who do you say that I am? Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son, the living God. The church is built upon the full revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone and the foundation. I, as a wise master builder, have laid the foundation and no other foundation can be laid except that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The full revelation of Jesus Christ. Who He is, what He has done, what He will still do. What He is doing now and what He will still do. 
Many people don't even know who he is fully. Close your eyes just quickly. Just quickly. Don't fall asleep. Quickly. <laughs> just imagine Jesus. Imagine Jesus. Open your eyes. Now many people would see Jesus as written in the Gospels. The man, the son of God, who, the, the son of man who went around doing good, delivering all who are oppressed of the devil. Some people see a blonde Jesus. Some people, the Rastas will see a black Jesus. Whatever. In a white skirt, white dress, whatever you want to call it. No, 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 no. That was Jesus in, in, in 2,000 years ago. That is not Jesus today. That is not the Jesus living inside of you. Because a lot happened after Jesus died. I don't have time to go into that today. But he spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Took the keys of hell and death from the devil. Proclaimed to those in the spirit world. But then he was raised from the dead by the power of the spirit. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the name that was given that is above every other name. Jesus Christ. That at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And a different mandate was given to him. When he said on the cross, it is finished, a specific work was completed. But it doesn't mean he sat down and does nothing. Because he said, sit at my right hand and I will go down and I will make all your enemies your footstool. Reign in the midst of your enemies. That is what Jesus is doing now. Give you an example, the disciple John. He was the man who laid on Jesus' breast. He was the one that, whom Jesus loved. The Bible mentions. Are you with me? He had an intimate, close fellowship with the Son of God, the Son of Man. But then on the Isle of Patmos, he hears a voice behind him. He turns around and he sees this person, <laughs> this God, whose eyes were like a flaming fire, whose hair was as white as wool. This man, this, this God standing before him. And what happened? He fell down at his feet as a dead man. He said, I saw, one and he saw someone and he looked like the Son of God. This is a man who sat next to Jesus, who laid on Jesus' chest. Next time he sees him, he falls down like a dead man. That is the Christ that lives in you. That Christ lives in you. Not just the man that walked around doing good. That's why Jesus says, greater works you will do than what I've done. Why? Because I'm going to my Father. And this process that I'm going through will cause you to do greater works. Not because you are greater, but because He is someone greater. Are you with me? So... <clears throat> Built upon the full revelation of Jesus Christ. But I want to stop there. We said the church is not the initiative or the institute of man. The church is not the initiative or the institute of man. But the divine work and plan of God. The divine work and plan of God. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless God builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. God builds the house. Jesus said, I will build my church, not you. It is not the great work of the pastor, nor charismatic people or a team of leadership. It is God, first of all, building his church. We are co-workers with Christ as he builds his church. The fivefold ministry, they are the hands and feet, they're the hands of God upon the church. It is a divine institution of God. That is very important because what he will build is spirit. What he will build is perfect. What he will build is perfectly according to his will and plan of what he wants. He has a specific house in mind. Close your eyes again quickly. I'll explain why I do it like this. <laughs> Imagine a house. Imagine a house. Open your eyes. You all imagine different houses. The ladies, you will just tell me I saw a pink house or house with nice furniture. You know, the men will see I saw this big house with many garages and cars. And but you all saw different houses. I just said house. But you see, God has a specific blueprint and pattern of how he wants his house to be built. 
And if we are to build church, we have to build according to that pattern. Not according to what we think church should look like. Or what this book says about small groups. Or what that book says about church growth. We need to build according to that pattern. In the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is talking about the, the, the tabernacle. And he starts to describe the tabernacle. And it looks so similar to the tabernacle of Moses or the tabernacle of David. But you'll see there's an, a shifting there. There's an item that is changed. Where the, 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 the incense has moved from the holy place into the most holy place. It wasn't there in the tabernacle of Moses. And this is signifying the praise and the worship of the saints that has moved from the dimension of the holy place into the most holy place. Because Jesus Christ has opened up a new and living way for us to enter into the holy place. But if you're just looking with your natural eyes, oh, that's the, that's the tabernacle of Moses. But if you look in the spirit, I'm not going to plant a church like my church in South Africa. I cannot do that. There are certain principles and foundations that remain the same. But this is not a McDonald's franchise. It works for McDonald's. You have the, the, well, even, but even that's not true because the McDonald's in America is not as good as the McDonald's in South Africa. And the McDonald's in Georgia is very poor. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I'll never go there again. <laughs> but we are not building McChurch. <laughs> because God has a, a different, in, different initiative God has a different plan different strategy different people different culture what worked in Nigeria doesn't work necessarily here it may work with Nigerians but it won't work with Georgians why do you think the Jerusalem church was so ineffective and Antioch was so effective because Jerusalem church was a single culture church. It was for the Jews. Even Peter struggled to understand the revelation of the Gentiles. It was a, when, 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 when the people were teaching the Gentiles, they must be circumcised. What did the Jewish people's church leaders say? Yes, they must be circumcised. And Paul, who was free from the Jewish mindset, said, you are talking nonsense. And that's why, <laughs> that's why Antioch was so effective in the Gentile region. That's why Barnabas went to look for Paul, not for Peter. Because Barnabas knew that, that Jerusalem is not what this people need. Are you with me? Let's not go too far there. I will get very lost in this. Because this is my favorite subject. <laughs> You've got to begin to read the word properly. The Acts of the Apostles, you've got to read their Acts, what they did and what they, how they did it. Stop just reading the word for your personal edification and benefit. Sorry, let me just say that again. Stop reading the word just for your personal edification. What does the Bible say for me, my blessing, my life? Come on, when is God going to be in control of your life that you can focus on His things? When are you going to come to a place of maturity when you can say, God has my life in control. God, what is it you want me to do? And I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm just saying, understanding that you are blessed. You, God has provided for you. God has got you on, your life under control. Now I can focus on His, his business, His kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Hallelujah. Where was I? Matthew 16. <clears throat> so verse 17. Uh, no, no, I wasn't there. Where was I? I was talking about the, uh, Ephesians 2.22, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11 verse 10. We talk, we're talking about divine institution. If you have a bookmark, just leave it in Matthew 16. We're going to keep coming back there, okay? But Hebrews 11. And we're going to read um, Hebrews 11 and somewhere around 10, I think. Okay, we're going to start verse 8. <clears throat> 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. He did not purchase land. He did not own anything. He was a foreigner in the land. Why? Verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That was what he was waiting for. He was waiting for Zion. He was waiting for the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. So therefore, he was a complete foreigner. Are you a foreigner? Physically, you are a foreigner. Yes. <laughs> I don't know any, any Georgians here this morning. You are foreigners. But even in the spirit, we are foreigners. Because our home is, Zion is my home, my brother said. That is where I'm a citizenship. That is where I have my citizenship. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Have you seen the ambassadors of different countries? How they walk around, you know, with their, their, their fancy cars, their nice houses. They're very important people. I've seen the ambassador of America waiting in the, in, the, in the lobby at the airport. Very important man. He knows he's important. He knows he has authority. You're an ambassador of the King of Kings, the Almighty God, the God of the whole earth, the city of the living God, the kingdom of heaven. And yet you walk around like this, intimidated by everybody. In feeling inferior to somebody who is non, a non-believer, who criticizes Christ. When you start to understand your importance and who you are, you start to walk a little bit differently. Your shoulders are better up. You are up like this. Not because you are super important, but because you represent someone super important. Please, I do not want to elevate you above anything. I only elevate Christ. But I want you to understand your identity. Amen? <clears throat> So he's looking for his city, the building who, sorry, he waited for the city which has foundations. But then it says in verse uh, 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that we should not be made, per they should not be made perfect apart from us. Because you know what, what Abraham saw, we live in. He saw the city of God. We live in the city of God. All those prophets that prophesied and saw in the Spirit, David, uh, uh, Isaiah, all these guys, they saw in the Spirit, but they were never able to touch it. They were never able to enter it. God, having prepared something better for you and I, we live in what they saw. So please do not undervalue your Christianity and what you have today. Do not look down upon what you have, the inheritance that you have entered into. Because those men and women, even the angels desired to see the salvation you have inherited. They looked into it and they could see it and they're like, wow, imagine we could get in there. You live in that today, so don't sit here and complain about, oh, I only have the New Living Translation. I, I want a soft leather cover Bible. Start to appreciate and value what you have in the Spirit. But you can only access these things in the Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with... All spiritual blessings, where? In the heavenly places. You know, people in the church are seeking prosperity. They can access that in the flesh. Even the non-believer can access prosperity. The Jews access financial prosperity. Are you with me? All these physical things that people seek in the church. You can access that. I call that fringe benefits. The, all the other things. <laughs> but there are certain things that you can only access in the Spirit. As the spiritual church, as the true church. 
Are you with me? God is, a, God is a good steward of his stuff. He doesn't give the most valuable things to the most compromising Christians. He proves them. He tests them. That's why it says, present yourself as one approved. <laughs> We're going to talk about the keys of the kingdom just now. I'll never forget I was in Uganda on, the, on a prayer mountain there in, in, in Kampala. And there all the bushes are praying because behind every bush, every tree, there's someone praying. 24 hours a day. I mean, it's amazing. The spiritual atmosphere there is amazing. But I remember I saw one lady and she's got a stick and she's beating the trees and she's praying. And it looks, she's passionate. She's going to walk and say, wow, that's amazing. And my translator started laughing. He says, you know what? She's praying. I said, no, what? She's praying that God would strike down her brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, you're from Nigeria. I've watched too many Bollywood movies. I've watched Nollywood movies. <laughs> oh, Nollywood movies much. Jesus help us. It's because of those type of movies that the church looks like it looks. <laughs> the whole movie is demons and the person gives his life to Christ right at the end of the movie. <clears throat> but imagine if God gave the keys of the kingdom to every single person. How many people would win the lotto? Because Christians are praying for the lotto numbers. The type of prayers that we pray... If God actually answered those prayers, but we'll get into the keys of the kingdom, possibly. Okay. Uh, Matthew 16, let's get back there. Oh, wait. Sorry. Revelations 21. <clears throat> Guys, let me tell you, I could spend a whole week talking to you about this stuff. Eight hours a day, no problems. So I have to be very selective in what I share to make sure I get the points across. Revelations 21. And we're going to start with <clears throat> verse 9 and 10. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Who is the bride? Who is the lamb's wife? Come on, speak to me. Who is the bride? Who is the lamb's wife? So come, I will show you the church. All right? Are you with me? And he carried me away where? In the spirit. He carried me away in the spirit. The church is found in the spirit. Okay? To a great and high mountain. What mountain is that? What mountain is that? Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the, the dimension where the church is found, where there's innumerable company of angels. You see, when you are dwelling in the Spirit, seated with Christ in heavenly places, that's where the angelic realm is. And like I said last week, I don't want to teach you to see angels and all of these things, but there's heavenly activity wherever you go. When we come together, there's heavenly activity. Come on, people. I have seen angels, I've had visitations of angels, but I'm not here to glorify angels, I'm here to glorify Christ. Because you see, the angelic realm has become normal to you. You must be not become too fascinated with the angelical realm. The Bible clearly warns about that, I think in Jude. Not to get fascinated and worship angels, and there's an angel there, and there's two angels next to you, and one is pouring gold on your head, and come on. That is like people who just want cars and houses and it's the same thing. People who are super, so preoccupied with an angel. You're forgetting about Christ who is seated in the midst. Are you with me? But yes, there's, ange there's angelic activity. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great, the great city. The city of the living God. Hallelujah. The holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. Descending out of where? Heaven. Descending out of heaven from God. 
That is where you are coming from. Because where are you seated? Come on, please, let's, let's get a bit more louder. Where are you seated? It's only the place where I look, they answer. If I look there, then they answer there. If I look there, they answer there. I'm talking to everybody. <laughs> you are seated in heavenly places. And you come from that place in the spirit, from that place in the heavenlies, from God. You come to Tbilisi. Come on, John 3. Jesus is talking to, to, to Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. Let's go there very quickly. I think I actually may have read this last time somewhere. And he's talking to Nicodemus and he's trying to explain to Nicodemus the things of the Spirit. Right? And he said, the first thing he says, you, you must be born again. Huh? What? He evaluates with his natural mind. We talked about this last week. How can I go into my mother's womb and be born out again? And Jesus is like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then he starts to try to explain the life in the Spirit. And Nicodemus just cannot get it. And he says, you're a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these basic principles. I am telling you things about the earth, yet you do not understand. These things, a life in the spirit, being born again, is not a heavenly thing. It's an earthly thing. Because it's something that only happens here. You do not get born again in heaven. A life in the spirit is here because you choose to walk in the spirit. There, there's no other option. You are in the spirit. There's no more natural Okay, depending on your eschatological reviews. See, I cannot even say those things, Boston. If it's people get so confused. But now, so he says, if I tell you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And then he begins to explain. He says, in verse 13, he says, No one has ascended into heaven, has his past tense. No one has extended into heaven except me. Okay, but that's, he has not yet ascended into heaven. It's prophesying. Are you with me? No one has ascended into heaven except the Son of Man, who came down from heaven. So prophesying now past tense because he came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who, who is in heaven. Even is his present tense. Nicodemus Right now, I'm speaking to you in Jerusalem, but at the same time, I am in heaven. I am in heavenly places. And he walked in those heavenly places. That's why in John 5, verse 19, he says, I do nothing unless I see my Father doing it first. Because he's walking in a heavenly realm, walking with his Father, that he can see what God is doing. If God says, heal that person, I heal that person. Speak to that person, I speak to that person. This is a life in the Spirit. Must I, I, must, I must be living in the Spirit. I must become so aware and sensitive to the things of the Spirit that I'm constantly seeing what God is doing. Come on, guys. Become heavenly minded. Set your mind on the things of the... Not the things of the Spirit. The Spirit is not up there. Set your mind on heavenly things. You'll end up walking into something. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit because the things of the Spirit is here. Are you with me? This is what we mean by prophetic lifestyle. Not prophet. Prophetic lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living in the Spirit. Hearing from God. Doing. Hearing from God. Doing. Are you with me? You've got to develop this aspect in your life. You're going to be in a lot of trouble if you cannot do this. If we are living in the natural, if we are dictated to by the natural, things are going to become tougher and tougher on this planet. Restrictions upon the church. Restrictions upon your faith. What you can say, where you can go, what you can do. If you are not living in the Spirit, you are not going to be able to navigate these things. You're going to need somebody to lead you all the way. You are saved, but remember, that's an earthly thing. You are born again, it's an earthly thing. There's going to become more of a separation between spirit and the natural. I haven't got time to go there. 
Okay. <clears throat> Where are we? Sorry. I was John 3, but before that I was Revelations 21. Let's go back, go back to Matthew 16. I want to finish Matthew 16. Are you still here? Yes. I want to make sure because it is very quiet in here. So, you are the Christ, the Son, the living God. The church is established on the full revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will still do. You need to understand everything of that. Okay, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to you, said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This revelation is only caught in the Spirit. Are you with me? It needs to come by revelation. I can teach it to you, but you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to make it revelation inside of you. It cannot just be head knowledge, because otherwise it always just remains something mystical and wonderful up in the spirit you see up here. <laughs> but it's got to become life in you, and you've got to allow the Lord to open your eyes. Are you with me? But... Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because you've got this revelation. But revelation is not enough. I say to you, you are Peter. And I preached about that in my, one of my first two sermons. I need to change your life. I need to change who you are. Jacob must become Israel. Remember Jacob? You must become a man or woman in the spirit. Because you see, Simon, son of Jonah, was like a broken reed. He was very passionate about Jesus. But any time the pressure came upon him, he failed miserably. I, he was very passionate. I will not deny you, Jesus. I will even die for you. I tell you the truth. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Never. And he meant every word. He was convicted in his heart. I will die for you, Jesus. But when the pressure came, Simon fell apart. But something happened in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when they were sitting there, and the Holy Spirit came upon them for the first time. Something happened in Peter, because every time you read from then, and Peter stood up and said, and Peter stood up and spoke, and Peter did this. No longer Simon, Peter and he was speaking, he was leading. He were, at the end of the day, he said, let me not be crucified like my Lord because I'm not worthy. Crucify me upside down. He was more than willing to take on the pressure because there was a transformation that had taken place inside of him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you need to do in your life. I'm not going to go back there now. You need the Holy Spirit to change and transform your life. To become a man or woman of the Spirit. To have an indestructible ministry. A God initiative. God inspired. Are you with me? That that which is on the inside. The, 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 the image that is on the inside. Must become the outward expression. The likeness of Christ. That is when you start to display Christ. And when you start to say. Follow me as I follow Christ. The things you have seen and heard in me, that you do and the God of peace will be with you. Why could Paul say things like that? Why didn't he just say the things you see in here in Christ? He says, no, but I am modeling what Christ is, who Christ is, what he does, how he lives. Follow this example. How many of you people can confidently 100% say that? The things I'm doing in my private, the things I'm doing at night, the things I'm doing when I'm alone... Follow me and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm? <laughs> okay, let me get on, get on here. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, on this revelation, not on Peter. The Catholic Church got it a bit mistaken there. On this rock, on this revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We talked about that yesterday. It's not the gates of hell coming against the church. It's the church coming against the gates of hell. You know how frightened the devil is of you. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. So many of you who are fearing the devil. Why? 
Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. You don't know the one that is inside of you then. The devil is a servant of sin. He is the first one to fall under the power of sin. The devil does not command sin. He himself is under the power of sin. He is the first slave to sin. He has been corrupted by sin. And Jesus Christ has made him powerless. And Jesus lives in you. The devil should be having nightmares about you, not you nightmares about the devil. I can tell you the devil has nightmares about me. If he just thinks of my name, it's... Uh, because I'm here to tear down his kingdom. I'm here to destroy his works. To complete that which Christ accomplished. Oh, come on. This must become reality in your lives, guys. If you want to live in full victory, you must understand that he has the keys of hell and death and he has defeated the power of the devil. If you do not have that, relationship, that revelation in your life, you're always going to be afraid of the devil. And elevate him to a platform where he does not belong. That is why he is still in the spirit. You've got to cast him down that he's under your neck, under your feet. Because we will soon crush Satan in the name of Jesus. He will be here in the earthly realm because you'll be functioning in the heavenly realm. Are you with me? And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys of the kingdom of heaven is not just the gift of prophecy, praying in tongues. This is all earthly things, people. The keys of the kingdom is true, true authority in the spirit. It's where I unlock entire dimensions of the kingdom of heaven that heaven can invade earth. But God does not give those keys to immature people. Do you give the keys of your brand new BMW M3 to, to, to your 12-year-old child? No, why not? Because he's going to kill himself and kill others with that. Are you with me? If God had to give you a billion dollars today, some of you would be destroyed from that blessing. Because you would expend it on yourself, you'd become. Be that happens with lots of worship leaders, lots of musicians, a lot of singers. God gives them this amazing talent. And the talent that is supposed to bring glory to God, establish his kingdom, spread the gospel message, destroys the person who has the gift because she thinks, I am this beautiful, wonderful singer now. So God want, but God wants to give you the keys of the kingdom. God wants to give you that authority. But you've got to be mature. You've got to be tested. You've got to be pro proven. That if God gives you a billion dollars, you will extend his kingdom, not your personal fortune. Are you with me? It's much harder to be rich than to be poor. It's easy to trust God when you are poor. It's easy to trust God when you are poor. It's much more difficult to trust God when you are rich. But God wants these things. God wants you to walk in everything. And I'm not just talking about dominion theology. I don't care, again, what you think of the end times. But what I'm saying is the glorious kingdom of God needs to be made manifest in these last days. So that the great light arise and shine. For your light has come. And the glory of God has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. Gentiles will come to your light. That light has got to be bright. It's not, I will let my little light shine. It's got to be the light of God. You are city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That glory has got to be, that splendor of glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords has to be displayed through your life so that the world can come running. Because there's just darkness. But we're sitting here with our candlelight. Have you ever been in a place so dark that the candlelight doesn't light anything? Hmm? 
That is, that is the current state of a church. We've got this light, but nobody can see anything. You need to display the glory of God. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. Just lift up your hands, begin to pray in the Spirit as the delegation of God, as the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Rise up in authority. Raise your voice. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the very words of God. Think of the power of God's voice. Let that voice be displayed through your life. Prophesy in the Spirit. Prophesy in the Spirit. We magnify your name, God. We lift up your name, Jesus Christ. We choose to rise in our authority. We choose to rise in our stature in the name of Jesus, in no other name. Jesus, you are great and we exalt you. Help us to rise as the church. Help us to rise as the church. And as we rise in the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we function in the Spirit, may your splendor, may your glory be displayed through our lives. May the beautiful fragrance of Christ be infused, diffused among the nations. That the nations will come to the brightness of your rising in us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Teach us how to walk in that victory. Teach us how to walk in that authority. Teach us how to walk in that identity. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that we will rise as the children of God, as mature sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, seeking your kingdom, not seeking our own, not seeking the things of this world, not seeking small little benefits, fringe benefits, but Lord, that we will seek first your kingdom, your glory, your righteousness, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.